The Water Values Podcast, Session 100. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resource, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGinnis. Hello and welcome again to another session of the Water Values Podcast. This is session 100. Yes, we're in triple digits now. And as my daughter said, uh, my name is Dave McGimsey. Thank you again for joining me. And thank you all for continuing to listen, subscribe to the newsletter, email me with ideas, with stories about your own experiences with water. I I just want to say, as we get going here, thank you so much. Uh, you the listener. If it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be doing this. Uh, if if the listener base didn't keep growing and you didn't keep contacting me and and sending me emails and things like that, I, I don't think I'd, I'd keep this going. So I just want to say thank you very much uh, to all of you. Oh, and I should also say uh, thank you very much for the for those of you who have donated to the Water Values Podcast. Greatly appreciated. It helps defray the cost of uh, putting the podcast on you know there are hosting fees and uh, both web and media and there are uh, fees for you know domain names and things like that so there it's not like it's um, uh, a simple thing to to maintain here Uh, so i really do appreciate those of you who've made a a contribution you can do so by hitting the paypal button uh, on the website but uh, we have a fantastic show for you today Uh, number 100 we are going to actually talk with three international water uh, innovators uh, that won the Securing Water for Food uh, challenge and are getting some funding from Securing Water for Food. And And uh, we're also going to kind of have an intro with Koo McMahon. You may remember Koo from uh, episode 59. Uh, he's going to talk to, he's just going to give us a little thumbnail on what Securing Water for Food is, why it's important, why uh, securing water for food uh, is really kind of forward-looking in terms of of what it's trying to you know the the challenges it's trying to solve, uh, and then after after we hear from Koo, we're going to hear from our three innovators. Uh, one is the innovator of NuSil, uh, which is a silicone uh, additive to plants, and it helps uh, uh, get those plants. One of our innovators that we're going to be speaking with uh, is Nusil, and they have a fantastic uh, uh, product that helps uh, make plants hardier, uh, increases yields by up to 40%, as you're going to hear about. Uh, Then we're going to go on and talk about um, uh, Akista, which which has found a way to irrigate uh, in Nepal, and the irrigation uh, doesn't require electricity or other fuel to run. And so it's a, it's a really innovative way uh, to create more irrigable farmland and produce more food with, uh, you know, where food had previously been unable to grow because of lack of irrigation. And then our final innovator we're going to speak with is Green Heat, which has found a way, it's, which is really a fascinating thing. They, they essentially are recycling water within a digester uh, and that, and you know, one of the byproducts is fertilizer. It's really, uh, you want to talk about uh, symbiotic relationships between energy and water, water energy nexus, things of that nature, and the water energy food nexus because they make the fertilizer, put it on crops, and increase yields, things of that nature. So uh, Green Heat from Uganda 
in Africa is going to be our third innovator we're going to speak with. But we're, we're going to spend a little bit of time with these innovators and hear about uh, what they have to offer, what their product is, and what the problems they're trying to solve. But first, we're going to talk with, again, Koo McMahon, who, again, is a fantastic guest. We have really appreciated his input over the over uh, uh, in episode 59, as well as taking some more time out to speak with us today. So here we are with Koo McMahon. Well, Koo, welcome back to the Water Values Podcast. Great to have you back on. Uh, for those listeners who uh, would like to find out more about Koo, you can listen to his full-length interview uh, at uh, thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 59. Uh, but Koo, really quickly, uh, could you tell us who Securing Water for Food is and what it does? Sure. Securing Water for Food is a program funded by uh, the governments of Sweden, the Netherlands, the United States, and South Africa whose focus is to provide innovations uh, that produce more food with less water or make more water available for food production. And when we find those innovations, we give them grant funding and technical assistance so that they can go out into developing countries where these uh, challenges are major and then scale up to reach a large number of people and help uh, them solve this grand challenge. Fantastic. Now, we're going to have some of the innovators that have won funds from Securing Water for Food. And can you tell us a little about um, the challenge that these winning innovators applied to meet? Sure. So part of the problem that we're finding is that as the world is changing and growing as with populations, we need more food for the coming 9 billion by 2050. And as part of that, you need water to grow that food. And so we are finding areas which about 2.5 uh, 5 million, uh, I'm sorry, 2.5 billion people are facing extreme water stretches, shortages of water, specifically sometimes to deal with agriculture. These innovators are going out into these countries to try to help address this major challenge bit by bit uh, through their, their program and their innovation. Terrific. And now, how, how are these winning innovators selected? Sure. So we have a global process where we take have taken in applications from over 500 different organizations uh, and then we have these narrowing processes so we went from 550 uh, down to 70 down to 20 down to the winners uh, and so these uh, uh, were went through an extremely high competition and a, a high level of vetting without outside environmental panel with uh, outside technical experts with business finance experts who kind of poured over these applications and found the best of the best. Terrific. So these three innovators we're about to hear from are really the cream of the crop in terms of um, innovating in in the water space and, and getting more food out of every drop of water. Yes. Okay. Terrific. Well, uh, Ku, thanks so much for coming on. For the listeners, we're going to have a fantastic discussion with three of the winning innovators coming up here, so stay tuned. Thanks again, Ku, for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, that was a great introduction, I think, for uh, our three upcoming innovators who have won the Securing Water for Food Challenge. Uh, Our first first person we're going to speak with is Bart DeJong with NUSIL, and here is Bart's interview. Well, Bart, thanks so much for coming on to the Water Values Podcast. Really appreciate your time today. Uh, For starters, could you please give us just a little bit about who you are, where you're located, you know, just, just the basics about yourself? SI Technologies. SI Technologies is uh, based in the Netherlands. Um, we've been there since 2013. 
Um, it's only actually the basis for our headquarters because most of our day-to-day -day operations take place in Africa and Asia. And that has a lot to do with the scope of our product. Um, the product, by the way, is called New Sil. The SIL stands for silicon, and that is uh, also the uh, effective component of our product. Um, silicon in agriculture is known to be a stress killer, if you want to put it quite simply. Um, silicon in, in uh, plants increases the resilience of plants against all kinds of stress, and as stress in agriculture is most perceived in um, Africa and Asia, where the majority of farming is done by small-scale subsistence farmers, uh, that's actually where our target group is. Okay, and so tell us a little about the problem that you're trying to solve. We kind of got a hint at it about you know this the silicone issue, uh, but but tell us about the problem that you perceived and you're you're trying to solve. Well, the problem actually is is uh, uh, all of ours. Uh, as, as, as world citizens, in uh, a couple of decades' time, we will have two billion more mouths to feed, um, whereas uh, arable land is decreasing because of urbanization and salinization of the soil. Uh, we have a problem with uh, fresh water. It will become much scarcer than it is now, and 70% of, of fresh water is used for agriculture, so agriculture is going to be hit heavily uh, by this phenomenon. Um, and if we want to feed all people uh, throughout the world, we will have to eat our output in agriculture. And um, as we know, um, silicon is, is um, uh, the perfect product for that in, a, in a, a very normal, organic, biological way. I mean, it's, it's not a... Uh, a hormone or a steroid or uh, a toxic chemical that we are adding to the plant. It is uh, endogenous stuff. Uh, it's stuff that is in every organism, in you, in me, in, in uh, animals, in plants. Um, and still, uh, by just adding this, this normal, abundant, available stuff, um, we are able to increase yields, uh, which benefits us all, of course, because it will feed us. And... Um, on top of that, it will also help uh, small-scale subsistence farmer farmers increasing their their lives, uh, improving their lives. Sure. So, so tell us about uh, how you solved the problem in terms of of how you're how exactly you're getting the silicon into the you know how how you develop the new sil plant the new sil product and how you get it into the plant and how exactly that saves water. Um, well, first of all, we did not. Um, develop the uh, or, or or find out the the um, uh, the technology the technology has been there all the time also the, the the component in our product which is silicic acid has been there since the big bang or adam and eve whichever you prefer <laughs> uh, we did not invent that uh, um, science has known for decades already that silicon has a beneficial effect on plants the only problem is that there is only one available component of silicon for plants. So one element that can be taken up by the plant, and that is silicic acid. And silicic acid is very unstable. It uh, reacts with everything in its surroundings, including itself, and then it starts to polymerize, and then the molecules grow too big to be taken up by the plant. So what you have to do is 
stabilize silicic acid in its single molecule, its monomeric form. And that's actually what we did. So we made use of available science and developed the product on that basis. So it, it's, it's kind of reverse engineering. Um, we did that a couple of years ago and then started experimenting, of course, with that product that we produce now in India uh, on all different kind of crops in Africa and in Asia. And we saw incredible effects. Um, just spraying it on the plant a couple of times per crop season um, uh, increases yields by 10, 20, 30, 40 percent even uh, compared to untreated plants. Um, the, uh, the technology we use is based on a patent, um, a European patent, uh, uh, and, and we own the exclusive license for a couple of countries in uh, the African and Asian world. Uh, so that's the basis where we are exploring our, our company on. Uh, and we've been doing so ever since until today. Um, right now we are able to uh, produce and market the product in uh, three larger agricultural countries in our uh, region, in South Africa, Indonesia and in India. Um, it's a long time to uh, get the product registered in each of those countries. And that has everything to do with the, the, the novelty, the new technology. Uh, it's not um, fertilizer number XYZ or uh, uh, pesticide uh, ABC. Uh, it's something completely new. And um, government bodies have difficulties finding the right boxes to tick if you apply uh, for a product registration with our product. Uh, so in, in, in fact, it took us uh, almost three years in Indonesia, two and a half in India, and slightly over two in South Africa to get the product registered. And that will be uh, a major challenge in all other countries that we will want to be active in in the, in the future. But that's something we have to deal with. Um, once you have it, uh, they, they can't take it back. And um, then you can start uh, producing and marketing the product on a larger scale. Well, that is, that is absolutely fantastic. It sounds like a, a, a great... Um, development for you. Could, for those folks who want to find out a little more about uh, your company, can you tell them where they can where they can go to find that information? Yes, of course. They can always uh, visit our website, uh, www.sitecin.com. So uh, S-I-T-E-C-I-N.com. Uh, or they can contact uh, myself or any of my colleagues. Um, we have uh, people on the ground in India, Indonesia, and in the Netherlands, as well as in South Africa. Uh, so um, we should be able to find. Terrific. Well, Bart, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you very much for having me. You bet. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, that was Bart, and you, as you can hear, Newsil uh, is a very promising technology. It's going to increase uh, crop yields. It's going to make those plants hardier, and by increasing those crop yields, uh, it's going to allow us to use less water to produce that food. So a uh, fantastic innovation uh, by uh, Newsil and Bart DeJong there. Our next innovator that we're going to speak with that has won a Securing Water for Food uh, prize is Praytap from Nepal. And here we go with Praytap, who has come up with a fantastic and ingenious way to irrigate farm fields without using electricity or fuel. And uh, it, I think when you, when you listen to Praytap, I think one of the really interesting things you should focus on 
is how he came up with the idea. He, I mean, he essentially came up with it through uh, the academics. It was kind of through a school project where he had to come up with an innovation and develop the marketing plan and and how it's going to how it's going to operate. So it's a it's really a uh, fascinating exercise in developing a marketable product through uh, your schoolwork. So here we are with uh, Praytap from Nepal. Well, Praytap, thanks so much for coming on to the Water Values Podcast. Really appreciate you taking some time to speak with me today. Um, could you please give us a, a little about who you are and where you're located and just some basics about you, please? studies. So right now I'm one of the co-founders of Akista, which is a startup based in the Netherlands. Uh, so it is a Netherlands-based company, but we work mostly in Nepal. So I'm again now in Nepal working from here. I'm an industrial engineer and uh, I have a master's in management of technology. Right now I look after the business development and the project in Nepal for Akista. Terrific. Now, uh, what is the problem you're trying to solve, the water-related problem you're trying to solve in Nepal uh, through your company and with your, uh, with your education? Yeah, so uh, in Nepal is a mountainous country and there are a lot of rivers. There are more than 6,000 rivers across the country. But uh, many of the lands that are just next to the rivers uh, suffer from lack of irrigation. Uh, and we try to create access to people for irrigation. So all these lands that are located next to rivers, uh, because there is a height difference, they need to lift water. And we make a water pump that does not require any fuel or electricity and uh, is run only on energy of rivers to lift water. So by doing this, we create access for irrigation for people and uh, the cost of uh, irrigation is brought down by up to 70%. Wow. How did... Uh, that's the product we developed. Well, that, that sounds terrific. How did you go about developing this? Yeah, so when I was uh, in Nepal and when I went to the Netherlands, uh, we had a course on entrepreneurship and there I said, okay, we have this problem in Nepal that there are so many rivers and still it is an irony that many lands are next to the rivers are still dry and... Uh, yeah, are looking for irrigation. So we started as a student project uh, looking at different technologies, how we, what could be helpful, and then we started developing a business plan around. And that's how we started in 2011. And in 2013, when we graduated, we uh, by that time we had the prototype tested and we had a preliminary business plan, so we decided to go full-time on it. So since 2013, we are doing it as a company. Fantastic. So, how tell us a little about how the company's been been working and uh, how how the the irrigation works. How does the product actually work? Maybe that's probably the best question. How does the product work? Yeah. Uh, so the product is called Barsha Pump, and uh, what it is is a it is a water wheel powered pump. So it is a water wheel which powers a spiral pump, and so when you place it in a river, it is floating in the river, and the flowing water rotates the water wheel and together with it the pump that is integrated also rotates and that is how you you can lift water and it can lift up to 40,000 liters a day up to 20 meters high um, so that's that's the product okay and so one of these products how much acreage 
or how many farm fields can that water from can one of these pumps irrigate yeah so it depends a lot on the type of crop type of soil climate but uh, typically it uh, covers between one to two hectares so that's two to four acres of land uh, if you are doing vegetable farming excellent and so uh and how's the company been received in nepal what you know how many how many units do you have out there being used and and what are the prospects looking like so in Nepal, we started working since uh, 2015, and in 2015, we started with demonstration of five units in different parts of the country. Then in 2016, we started selling the pump to different uh, development organizations and government organizations who are working in irrigation. Uh, so we uh, installed around 20 in 2016, and this year uh, the pump has been integrated in the annual plan of the government of the Ministry of Agriculture of Nepal. So we are looking at uh, implementing 200 units in that uh, government budget plan this year. Well, wow, that is so we started with it. That is fantastic. That is that is absolutely great. Um, well, congratulations on on getting such a great product out there. That's that's really doing some good and getting uh, helping irrigate farmland. For those people who are interested in finding out more about Akista, where can they go to get that information? Yeah, so one is to go to the website. Uh, it's akista.com. A Q Y S T A dot com, or you can find us uh, in our Facebook page, also Akista, and Twitter, also with Akista. Fantastic, and, and I assume they can find out information about you, Praytop, uh, by going to those sites as well. Yes. Okay, terrific. Well, uh, Praytop, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me. I know uh, uh, it was probably inconvenienced you more than me, but I really appreciate your time, and thank you so much for sharing a little about your great product. Yeah, thank you very much, and thank you for providing this opportunity to share about the product and me. Oh, uh, you bet. All right, bye, Praytop. Thank you. Thank you again. Bye. Well, that was Praytap from Nepal. And as I'm sure you heard, what a, what a great invention he's come up with. Uh, really it's, it, it, it showcases the energy water food nexus. You know, you need power to get that irrigated water over to the farm field to grow more, um, to grow more crops. So it's a, it's a fantastic example of the energy water food nexus, as is our next guest, who is Vienni from Uganda, and his company is called Green Heat, and uh, they really have identified uh, another example of how to to uh, implement or how to use the energy water food nexus and harness harness all those things and make them work symbiotically to maximize the amount of food that can be produced uh, and to have great you know byproducts like fertilizer and things like that. He's essentially recycling the water through a digester producing, uh, you know, you know, siphoning off the solids, making fertilizer out of it. Uh, it is just a, it's just a great example of the energy water food nexus. And here's Vienni from Uganda with green heat. Well, Vienni, thanks so much for coming on to the water values podcast. Really appreciate your time today for starters. Could you please tell us a little about yourself and where you're located and, and just the basics with how you are uh, or, or what you're doing? I'm the founder of Green Heat Uganda. It's a company found in Uganda. Uganda is located in Africa. Basically, Green Heat is addressing energy problems. 
We are installing biogas digesters, which, which are used for generating energy. These digesters take in waste, the waste is mixed with water. So we are addressing, our, our company addresses energy solution, I mean energy problems, at the same time, it also addresses the water requirement for these energy products. Sure. And so, so Vianney, can you tell me a little about the, the, the problem you're trying to address? I know you said that you do, um, you, you work with digesters and you're an energy company uh, that also has, uh, that, that also saves water. So how did you, what's the problem that you're trying to solve? And thank, thank you, David. Biogas digesters are installed across the world. The biggest challenge the biogas systems take is they, you know, they take in a lot of water. So our companies came up with a technology two years ago that reduces the amount of water biogas digesters take. Statistics show that 50% of the digesters installed in Sub-Saharan Africa are abandoned after two years of, of installation because of the water requirement. So that was the need why we came up with an innovation that reduces the amount of water these biogas systems take. We've installed these systems on biogas systems in Uganda. We are moving to other African countries. Okay, and so could tell me a little about how that works. Basically, a biogas system is a giant stomach which takes in organic waste mixed with water. So once this waste has, you know, after getting off the energy from the waste, this waste has moved out of the giant stomach. So as the waste moves out of the giant stomach, we filter off the liquid and have you know, two products, the solids and the liquid. The liquid is taken back to the digester. That way we reduce the need for fresh water for biogas system. While the, the solids are used as fertilizers, so they're used for crop production. Okay, terrific. And, and so this is kind of a, uh, a slurry separator. So in, is, the, is the slurry separation uh, how you reduce water use in this in this digester system yes we separate the solids from the slurry and the water the liquid that comes out of the slurry we recycle back into the digester okay we are reducing the need for fresh water got it so what you're doing is you're recycling water you're you're essentially reusing water you're taking the water that gets separated out and that gets diverted back to the front end of the system, essentially, to go into the digester. And so uh, what happens to the, uh, the solids that, that are separated? The solids are high-quality fertilizers, which are applied in crop fields. So because you know, one, one thing you know, carrying a bar, you know, mixture of liquid and solids is very bulky, especially in Africa where there are no infrastructure, transport is a problem. So... Transporting solids that are drier, it's you know it's easier for farmers to take it back to the gardens. Yeah. So when it gets bagged, how long does it stay in the bag before it gets actually put into use, like to go onto a field? Basically, farmers in the practice in Uganda, farmers keep it for a week, then they take it to the to the field. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Terrific. Well, uh, Vianney, could you? Could you tell us a little, uh, uh, for those people who want to find out more information about uh, Green Heat and you, where they can go to find that information? Sure. You can be found on the web. Our website is greenheatinternational.com. Information about our products can be found on that website. Fantastic. Well, Vianney, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out to speak with me today. Thank you, David. You bet. All right. Good luck. Thank you. Bye, Vianney. Well, there you have it. That was our conversation with Vianney from Green Heat. 
in Uganda, Africa. And can I just, I, I, I am very impressed with all three of our, our uh, innovator, innovator guests. Ku, um, I'm impressed with you too, but I'm, I'm very impressed with our innovator guests, uh, not only for what they've been doing in, in, in innovating and uh, finding out ways to make every drop of water go farther in food production, but I'm also very impressed that with their English. Um, it's obviously not their native tongue, but they, they did a great job. Uh, speaking and explaining their products better than I could have done in uh, in a foreign language, and so I just want to to give them a hand and say, you know, recognize them for what a fantastic job they're doing. So when you when you look back at, at our guests here, um, one of the things that I, and I've said this multiple times, so it, this is the big takeaway I've got from this is the when when you need to use all available resources and and you are trying to minimize waste, how how great it is that you can identify and come up with synergies uh, between energy, water, uh, and food, and how important it is. And it just, I, I, to me, that's the big takeaway here, is that when we really get down to it, when we really think about how we need to come up with enough food to feed the population that, as you heard them, it's going to you know, you know, grow by 2 billion here pretty soon, uh, we need to come up with a lot more food in order to feed those people and doing it in a way that maximizes and optimizes uh, the food, energy, water, food nexus, I think, uh, is is one that I think we're going to have to pay a lot more attention to as we move forward uh, in the 21st century. So I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode. I hope you enjoyed the first 100 episodes of the Water Values Podcast. Again, thank you all for listening. It's been uh, a fantastic experience for me, and I hope uh, hope we make it to 200. So uh, with that said, I just want to say you can check out the show notes for this session at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 100. Please leave a comment on those show notes, or you can email me at david at thewatervalues.com. You can also tweet at me at DTM1993, and you can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. And please do me a favor, please rate, review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, or any other podcast directory that uh, you listen to the show on. And again, I should have said that earlier, is that I really appreciate everyone who's left a rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher. When I read those, I just, uh, it, it, it really gives me inspiration that I'm, I'm actually doing something that, that people think is worthwhile. So thank you very much uh, for leaving those ratings and reviews. Plus, when you leave it, it's a great way for people to find out about the podcast, right? And so uh, you can also sign up for the Water Values newsletter. I only hit you twice a month with that. And so it's not, I'm not going to spam you every day. You know, so that does it. Uh, this is the end of show number 100. And I hope uh, in closing that you remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource. So please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. Thanks again for 100 episodes. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me.
Thank you for tuning in to The Disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. Information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.